I'm Tommy Beardmore. I'm Adam DiCarlo. And welcome to Before the Break, a podcast for actors by actors. Brought to you by Book It. Episode Adam. two. <clears throat> so today, can we you have not a cough into the the <clears throat> microphone? And ah, oh, sorry. Yeah, today we have a really awesome guest. Yeah, I'm I'm very 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 excited. I've known this girl for a long time, and um, she's honestly one of the most unique interesting and powerful people I've ever come across. Um, have you ever met yet? Like officially, have you ever met our next guest? No. No, no I think you're going to really have a darned good time. Um, I'm excited. So ladies and gentlemen, yeah, I am too. She's a Broadway actress who has wowed audiences for years. Her incredible acting and powerful voice. She's the winner of Connecticut Critics Circle Award for Best Actress. She was nominated for an Ernie Award for Best Actress in Musical. You've seen her in shows like If Then, Hair, Rock of Ages. She's Wicked's longest running alphabet. Ladies and gentlemen, Jackie Burns. Oh my God, I was like, who are you talking about? I was like, who is this woman you're speaking of? She's not like a it's you. <laughs> it's you, it's you. How are you, Jackie? Hi, Jackie. Oh, I'm a Hi, Adam. So lovely to meet you. Nice to meet you. Thank you for we're, joining um, us. We're very excited. We're going to figure out this whole like talking over when this person's done, then there's like a, a delay and then you got to like wait. So apologies in advance, but uh, you know, we're, we're figuring out this, this zoom thing via, via podcast. We're so excited, uh, Jackie, that you're here. Um, you know, you and I have known each other for a little while. Uh, you're meeting Adam for the first time now. Um, Jackie, where where are you right now? Geographically, where are you in the world? I'm in Connecticut. Okay, you're in Connecticut. Now, you've logged a lot of time in New York. You've also lived in LA. You're in Connecticut for what? For the um, for for COVID and and all that. Yes, I'm in um, in Connecticut because of COVID. I was in LA. And right before COVID hit, I had flown back to the East Coast to start a new new musical. Um, and I was supposed to start rehearsal and um, the day before uh, everything shut down. So that I flew back and left my car and all my clothes in L.A. because I was just going back to the East Coast to do the show for two months. And then I go back to L.A. And then the day before I flew back and then the next day I was to start rehearsals and everything shut down. So um, I'm from Connecticut. So I was like, oh, I'll just go to my parents' house for a few months, you know, and then life will like come back. And it never did. Um, that was a year ago, you... like this week. <laughs> yeah. I, I, re back, I, I remember thinking, I remember yeah. thinking, oh, wow, I'm not going to go to work for, for eight weeks. That's so crazy. Little did we know, you know, a full calendar right. year. Brutal. Jackie, did you like your time? away from the business like a forced stop did you enjoy that or were you like dude get me back to the game yeah no i, I hate this 
See, I loved it. I went back to Indiana in March and stayed and I like I was fishing and riding a motorcycle and hanging out and not having to go to auditions. And it was just so nice to just not do anything. But for you, you were just like, get me back. Yeah, I am a workhorse and I don't know what to do with myself when I'm not working. I have never been like the people are like, oh, I got to get something else because this eight show a week grind is too hard. Like, I love it. I'm like, bring it on. I like to like challenge myself and be like, yeah, I am superwoman. I can do this show eight times a week and shoot a movie and audition and like go out with my friends and have like, I love that. Like nobody gives you a cookie at the end, which you, they do. Like if you show up every day, but I give myself the cookie at the end and it feels yeah. good to be like, yeah, I did all of those things. And like, so for me, I don't, it's been very obvious and glaringly obvious that like, I feel like I have no purpose without, you know, my job. So it's, forced me to get to know myself where I've never gotten to know myself as much because I've always been what I do rather than I am. Right. So, um, that was a hard, interesting thing to deal with. It was nice. It's been nice to like see my family. I've never, that's something my mom always used to around living in New York, but being from Connecticut, I'm so close, but you know, you only get off one day off a week. So I usually would only get to come home for a day. And my mom would always be like, God, are you ever going to come home for more than 24 hours? And I'm like, no. And now I'm like, ha I've been here forever. I'm never like, leaving. you gotta leave. Go. <laughs> They're like, don't you have a show? So you, my you, God. Yeah. <laughs> I wish, I wish. <laughs> That kind of mentality, though, was was absolutely essential in in some of the roles that you've had. I mean, like you said, eight show, uh, eight show week um, type roles. Uh, let's be honest, uh, is one of the most demanding roles out there on Broadway. Um, do you feel like anybody who doesn't have that knack wouldn't have been able to kind of uh, navigate that for as long as you were able to do that? I mean, the fact that you're able to take on that much work, I'm sure was elemental in the success of that role. Yeah, I th- no, I think that, I mean, to each their own. I think the, the I think every woman that plays that role, yeah, is like a workhorse because you have to be. Um, I think some are smarter than me in the fact that like they are good at being like, you know what? I need to show off. <laughs> you know what I mean? I remember knowing you, you were like, you were like, I'm dying. I feel so sick i'm stuffed up my bones are aching i'm like maybe you should like call in you know like (laughs) yeah i'm like not today never i like yeah i am like they're they always say like old school broad old school and new school like old school is like you're literally broken and you're like the show will go on and new school is like oh you know what i think i just mental health day day right and i am so old school broadway where i'm like Get in. I mean, like, I remember when I was on the tour of If Then and I had really bad food poisoning, like really bad. And the point where I was like, finish the song, run off stage, throw up, get back on stage. No. Yeah, like, I mean, I am. But like, that's uh. the thing What I'm saying, like, nobody gives you a cookie at the end. Nobody, like, nobody in the business is like, that girl, man, she did every single show, come rain or shine. Nobody thinks about that. But I, for me, it's like the work ethic for me. I'm like, yeah, but I did it. So like, I don't really do it for anybody else but myself. And that's what you should be. I mean, we, we shouldn't be getting cookies, you know, at an end of a 16 hour day on set or wherever you are, you just, you did your job. You logged in, you clocked in, you're out and that's, that's your job. And to, to expect anything else from anybody is just unrealistic. You know, Adam, do you think there's an, there's an old school and a new school in film and TV? Oh God, I... I have no idea. Uh, 
I don't know. I, I wonder how, I think what kind of it's, hours they worked back in the day or, you know, cause sometimes, I mean, on TV and film, you can be there for 16 hours or something. I don't know if that's more common, like in the 21st century or not. I have no idea. Yeah. I'm interesting. About it. Well, Jackie, is there a difference between the, the work that you do? You also are in film and TV too. You're, you, you do on camera work. Um, and that's kind of what pushed you to LA is the desire to do more of that. Do you find that there's a difference between the two mediums in terms of um, the actors, the audience? What are the different two? Oh my God, there couldn't, it, it couldn't be any more different. It was actually really, it said, well, Tommy and I met in a class um, years ago. Uh, are we allowed to talk about that? Yeah, Krakauer. Oh, Bob Krakauer's class. Yeah. We did a scene together. We're such good actors. Just- <laughs> I'm in the front, Adam. I'm in I'm in the front taking notes and like all wide eyed. Jackie's in the back with their shoes off, just like laughing with whoever she's laughing. She's like, I'm, I'm between like, shows. I'm like, she's I'm between amazing. shows. <laughs> <laughs> just about like being like the cool girl in the back. Like, oh my god, like I'm so cool. And Tommy's like, hi. <laughs> no, you know what she taught me is you taught me that type of that type of energy in the classroom where desperation, you know, we all want to be like front and center and like taking notes and doing all we can to get everything out. But there's this other side. And and I'm so grateful that I got to know you because you showed me that other side of, of it, it was more, it was an easier way to go about the business rather than being so desperate to just like at any given time shine. It was more like, sit back and chill and like allow things to come and just be easy, be a little easy on yourself. Anyway. So we're in crack hour. Which is so funny. Cause that's all a ruse. Cause that's really inside. I'm like, <gasps> you know, it's like, if you do it, it's like, ah! it's like my inner monologue, but like out is like, Oh yeah, I don't care. I'm so cool. Right. <laughs> but really I'm just like dying inside. Right. <laughs> we were doing Bob's class and I, because I don't know if like, Normally, for some, you know, if you're doing theater, you don't get a lot of outs to do TV and film because TV and film, you know, it casts so fast, you know, like you'll go in and like three days later you're on set, right? You know, like it's right. you really fast turnarounds. And with most theater shows, you only get a two week out. So you kind of are not able to do film unless you have like amazing outs, which until not until much later in my career did I have. So I didn't have the opportunities to work TV and film. And it wasn't until I did this class at the Bob Krakauer class, I took it because I finally was at a place where I was getting better outs with my contracts that I was like, oh, okay, I can feasibly audition for TV and film. And that's how I met Tommy. Um, and then uh, I went to LA to do Wicked. And that's where I got my managers that are based in LA that were like, they're TV and film. And like, I'm like, they're only not famous person. And, you know, like they were like enough with Broadway, let's like get you on TV and film, which I was like, okay, great. And wanted me to move out to LA. And it really, really was such a, oh God, such a slap in the face. Like, whoa, these are so different worlds. Also, like there's a stigma with theater actors and TV and film actors, especially when I went to LA that I was like, Ooh, I took a class. I got, you know, immediately, I think everybody listening, like, I don't care how talented you are. Like you always can learn more. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) get in class. Um, Anyway, so I got into class and it was very annoying because the the acting teacher who was wonderful was always like, 
theater actors only color with a, like four of the crayons in their in their coloring in their crayon box. You know oh what I mean? God. Like they're just like, <clears throat> specific, oh very general because they play to the back of the house and like you have to be a selfish actor and like the camera's on you and you know blah 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 blah. And at first I was very offended. Very. I was like, screw you. I'm a great actor. You don't know what you're talking about. You know what I mean? You don't know about my crayons. You don't know. Yeah, I was like, I color with so many crayons, okay? (laughs) It's not just yellow and orange, all right? Sometimes there's blue. Sometimes there's red. Sometimes charcuterie. But (laughs) I realized, I was like, oh, wow. It's just, it's a different muscle. You know what I mean? And, And we're taught in theater, it's all about the text. It's all about the text and it's all about your other scene partners, right? And it's like, if I am like giving you everything to my other scene partner and I'm in the text and I'm feeling the feelings, like I'm doing a great, could not be more opposite in TV and film. Like, you know what I mean? It's like- Oh, it's like, we're going to turn around to the other actor. Oh, so I'm not on the shot? Oh yeah, well, my stand-in will read that. I'm out of here. Bye. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I don't care about the text. It's a behavioral medium. It's a picture medium, right? So it's like- Camera's out on me. I'm not in the room. Yeah, it's like, bye, right? So it's just- Also, because it's picture, it's picture, it's more focused. Obviously, there's a lens, there's a camera, so it's all visual. And we know that 70% of communication is nonverbal. It's more in your body and more in your look. And you can say all the lines that you want, but really it's, it's you know, the light captures the visual first. It's always, that's the prime thing. You know, it's not how well you can project. It's how well you can like quietly yeah. Be in that character. And that's what I realized where I was like, okay, this is the way that the acting teachers was, were saying it. It's like, it's not the, it's what they're saying is not wrong, but it's the way they're going about saying it. Like, right. Yeah. right. It's just taking how theater actors are just as great of actors as TV and film actors. It's just different mediums. So, yeah. you know, the text, like we said, is not important. It's a, it's a picture based medium. So it's like just wrapping your brain around that. And then with that, like, remember the first thing that I, the first thing that I did, like, was just so interesting in the fact of TV, TV and film wise of like, you know, you do these takes and you're used to as a theater actor, like doing something and getting immediate response. You're getting immediate, immediate applause. You're, it's like an interactive experience with the audience. Right. And it's a meet right. where TV and film is completely opposite, you know? And it's, I, for comedy, I don't, the comedy people are, you guys are, everyone is genius. How you can like not want to go home and cry when nobody's laughing because they can't laugh. So you don't know if you're doing well or not. You don't know if it's dying or, you know what I mean? And we're in theater. It's like, you make a funny joke and everybody's like, ah, <laughs> you know, and you get that, that rush and you're like, cool. I feel good where you do it on set. And it's like trick crickets. And you're like, Oh, it's shit. such there's right. no high like that where it's it bounces back and forth because like in theater in college I really gravitated towards comedy stuff I loved it and when you can hear it immediately it just the high of that is incredible um yeah I miss I haven't done theater in ages but yeah I love that immediacy because it's not you know on TV and film it's like, this will come out in two years. You have no idea, you know, like what it's, how it's even going to be perceived or if things are going to land. Yes. And also like you edit it. So it's, whereas theater, it's, it's all right there. It's all in real time and you can see all of it and you're living in it. Uh, you know, TV and film, they take all that footage, they go away, they do whatever they're going to do with it and it can either hit or not. And so it's kind of odd, but being yeah. a, uh, 
a Connecticut girl, did you come down to New York City when you were a kid to see theater? It's so funny. I, I'm so close yet so far away because we're like two fifteen, two hours and 15 minutes away. The first time I went to New York um, to see a show, um, my very first Broadway show was Grease with, um, uh, oh God, what's her name? Rosie O'Donnell and Brooke Shields and stuff. Oh my gosh. Like a hot shit. Um, ah. And it, it was it was so bad that I was like, I can do this. You know what I mean? I was like, this isn't so grand. And truth <laughs> be told, you did. Did you not do a gre- something recently in the I last like year, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was I think that was the last thing I've been in on stage where I played Rizzo. I was the I was like, oh, I am the oldest just in late in my late, late 30s playing a high school kid. And I was like, it's a big house. It's a big house. Uh. <laughs> you know. The bigger the we house, have makeup. The it's all good. Yeah, it's great. Um, but yeah, I was uh, was sixteen, I think, when I went into the city like for the first time. So I didn't go in an audition. Like it's so funny because now I coach all the time, and I have all these like kids that are like parents are like, should we get her an agent? Him an agent? Like get her into the city? Get him into this? And I'm like, wow, that's so great. I wow, I d- did not have that experience at all, <laughs> um, which is so wonderful that not that my parents weren't supportive but they just didn't really know the and I'm from a really small yeah if you're not involved in all that you wouldn't know you know the yeah. ways I'm to the go about person, yeah yeah the person to make who's in the arts like no one else is no one else sings or acts or dances or anything so you know it was very like I'm such like the black sheep of the family in that way did that so, did that kind of affect you as you went through that that sort of black sheep mentality? I come from a family of very practical professions, you know, doctors and yeah. you know, firefighters and all that. Did you feel a little any time between sixteen and kind of when you started working where you felt a little um, displaced from from your clan as far as a family goes, or was it always just like this is just something I do and this is what you do? Yeah, no, my family. I have to say is like they celebrate me and are so proud of me. And like, I've never felt like at all like that. I'm, and my parents are really cool. in the fact that my parents are, <laughs> my parents do not sugarcoat anything. So like <laughs> they, like, if I was not good, my parents would be the first people to be like, that's sweet. But like, it's just not, maybe you find something else to do. Like, <laughs> like my parents just, and I started as a dancer. Like I started dancing when I was three and I did, I grew up doing competition dancing. I didn't take my first voice lesson, true, true, start studying until I was 31. Like I just, I always sang, but like, I didn't really, I was more focused on dancing and I didn't do any acting until I went to college as well. I just danced from three, oh. three to 17. And, but my, like my mom would like at dance competitions, I remember she again, like, like I come off stage from a solo and she'd be like, that wasn't your best. Like you looked a little tired. Yeah. And I'd be like, thank you. Yeah, no, it's true. Like she just like says it how it is. Like here's I, a couple uh, orange slices, but it needs a little work. Yeah, <laughs> Next time we need I, to get you to bed a little earlier the night before. And, and I'm making myself sound nice. Like I was a nightmare. I remember i had such anger. Talk about angsty teenagers. Like I would come off stage and I, the things that I did were Calling. I remember the time I got off stage, I'm so mad because I forgot my solo, which again, who cares? Like the, the people judging don't know. I made it up. It's one. Nobody knows right. what I knew, right? You know, I came off and I spit and was like, Fuck, you know, like swearing. <laughs> like my mother was just mortified. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You like, can, Jackie, you can't swear on this podcast. We're going to have to. <laughs> yeah. I'm just kidding. Shut up. Please. You know me I can swear. I'm just let's fucking just, kidding. Let's just end this now. Um, 
So wait, so so um, what were you just talking about? Uh, oh yeah, so you were you were a pro, you were on a on a different level even when you were younger because that truly is like on a different level. You that's how we were. I'm sure Adam too. Like I remember being in drama club and if something went wrong, like I was just like, oh my god, these people. You know, <laughs> you're just like, come on, Tommy. It's you're in the high school gymnasium for God's sake. Let's. It's all just parents and and family members out there. No. Um, so did you kind of have that though? Like after you saw that show, when you started, did were you just like? this is something here and I need to seriously think about it. Oh, I, yeah. I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to perform since I could, since that's all I've ever wanted to do. I've always thought that like we as actors have, are, have such a huge gift in the fact that yes, it's like, like the hardest profession you can get into. And it's like 0.001 of us, you know, succeed and it's rough and brutal and we get treated like crap half the time. But the one thing that we have going for us is like, we know what we want from the immediacy. We're like all these kids that are going to college. It's like, Hey, yeah. what do you want to do for the rest of your life? It's like, I don't, I don't know. Like that is so scary. I watched like my little brother go through. He's like, I'll be an audiologist. I'll be a trash man. No, I'll be a teacher. No, I'm going to be going to count. Like who knows? And I feel like as actors, you, when you, it's so specific. It's like, you know, yeah, you're in math class and you're like, when the hell am I going to have to yeah. use a quadratic <laughs> formula? Never. I'm just memorizing lines for the rest of my life. I'm never going to use this. Even as kids, we knew like, what am I doing here? And that's, did you have trouble in school then? Yeah. Yeah. So was I, Adam, you were probably perfect. (laughs) Oh no, I was a, I was a terrible student until I got to college and they were like, you know, you can study whatever you want. And then I was like, Oh, Oh. you know, I could take all the cool art classes and things that I was actually into and film classes. And like, then I, succeeded and did really well but high school and grade school i because i just went i know i'm going to be in the arts and this equation i don't give a fuck right i don't care i'm i'm i know know, for a fact i'm quite literally never going to use this i just want to make believe (laughs) and then getting to college you know it, it makes a difference when you study things that actually interest you you want to learn but things that you know you have no interest in it's really hard to tap into that and wanting to learn so i didn't do good until college but yeah i think that that demonstrates just how how necessary purpose is for certain people and for people like us three uh you know when you tell a a 14 year old 15 year old kid you got to go to this place for five days a week for eight hours and you have to sit in this chair and all these things that are so conformist and so societal norm kind of um makeup uh structure whatever um if that doesn't ring true to people like us what do we do we self destruct we act up we we do whatever we can until somebody says why don't you try the drama club yeah. why don't you get then everything makes sense then the detention stop then then the the emotions and the moodiness kind of drift away because you found something that you that you love so you found this you you went to college Jackie but you hadn't really acted prior to that did that you mentioned that you started acting in college. Did that hinder anything in that whole process, either like uh, academically or even personally, where you you were just like, I'm, I'm in over my head. I, all these people have been acting for four years already, and I haven't. Or were you just like, dude, I'm going to place on fire? Yeah, I am. Um, God, I like when I think 
God, I wish I was the way I was back then. Now, like now I'm crazy and like, oh my God, I suck. I'm terrible. Don't know what I'm doing. What am I doing? <laughs> back then I was like, I'm the shit. You're welcome. That you're right. welcome. I showed up. <laughs> and, like, you know, and it was funny. Like I didn't take it seriously. I like would memorize my lines like an hour before class. I like, well, oh like, geez. Well, like, I up. And I remember the head of my department, Eric Hill, like sat me down. Or, well, that was the other thing. So at UConn, when I went there, as we went to college, freshman year was like not a, a, you didn't have a permanent place. So there was like, I think there was like 15 or 20 in my class. You had to re-audition at the end of the year and they cut wow. our class. So the end of my senior and my freshman year, there was only nine of us that went on for the next, you know, four years, Whoa. three years. Um, I remember the teacher me and be like, do you know how frustrating it is for all of your other students, all the other classmates where you like, we know that you don't do any work and then you go in and blow everyone out of the water and like, you don't even try. And like, could you imagine how good you would be, how great you would be if you just applied a little bit? And I was like, this guy, you know what I mean? Like just such yeah, a- Yeah, but ch- you're like, if, but I'm good without yeah, trying. So welcome. why would I? And now oh, I'm like, man. Why? I go back to college now I would be oh my god it's such like it's so wasted on the youth I was 17 away from home I was like I just want to like have a beer and like have guys hit on me you know what I mean like I was like this is like who cares right and now I'm like oh I would kill to go back to college now I'm like I don't know anything I think that as you, get older, you realize that you don't know anything and like and the consequences become so much more giant and like time is no longer on your side and everything becomes more heightened where when you're young, it's like, whatever, like, I don't get this. I'll get this other thing. And I'm amazing. It's going to actually hit. Like I know. And then you get older and you know so much and you're like, and and knowing so much, you realize, you know, so little and it becomes super overwhelming. And I, and it's funny because you do the people that book are the people that are like, I don't care. I'm awesome. Right. So my, my, my next observation is by hearing this, which I've heard so many times, the person who isn't at the top of the class necessarily, in fact, inverted, they're at the bottom, they're not getting cast, the professors don't really like them, they do something that like, isn't keeping them in the herd. Um, people like you, how you, and I did the same thing, but I think that there is a correlation between these people who are kind of going on their own trajectory trajectory and they end up finding their way. I think that a lot of people who were super type A, super front of class, Tommy and Krakauer sort of way, right? They were like in everything. They were just trying really hard. They really didn't end up doing much, but those people who kind of took a step back and like, I just want to have a beer and be a normal person. I'm telling you, I think that those people who straight away from the not this isn't bashing MFA programs, but straight away from the um, constant hustle of the training and academia and focused on just being normal, ended up being better actors because they knew how to be normal. They knew how to just act like a normal person and they weren't kept in the comfy confines of a musical theater class for four years. Oh yeah. And I also, because I didn't go to school for musical theater, I went to school for just straight acting, but because I could okay. and I won't, wanted to go I wanted to do musicals as well I got made fun of by everyone they were always like oh you're not a real actor because you want to do musicals and I was like I'm gonna work so y'all can be quiet <laughs> and it's 
<laughs> and know? did you like, show them? And did that's right. well, that's she did. Kids. Like, why make fun of people? Like, the more you have going on for you, the more castable you are. God, if I could go back in time and stick with my flute lessons, I would be like, you know, I, I wish that I like. I don't know how to read music, even though I'm a singer. I don't know how to play an instrument. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and so many things. I can't tell you how many times my agents have called me and been like, "You play an instrument, right?" And I'm like, "No." And they're like, "Can't." put you in for this and it's like damn it you know it's like so many tv and film things a good friend of mine teal wicks who's like another wonderful musical theater actor or tv actor like she just had an audition awesome role that i was like oh man i want to go in for that she's like you'd be perfect you are right you have to play guitar i was like nope she was like oh yeah i do and i was like awesome uh. you know like so like there's an audition that like i don't even get because I don't have that, that skill so like the more you know the more well-rounded you are like the more opportunities you have Yeah. And, and being in, being in college where you have the cameras and you have the stage and you have the luxury of waking up whenever you want and acting and just being in that little area for four years where you don't have to hustle and be in the real world, um, to take advantage of every single thing that you can while you can, because you're going to be an adult and there'll be no time or energy for it. Totally. Yeah. And so did you always know the, oh yeah. Go ahead, Adam. Go ahead, Adam. Oh, no, I was going to say, did you always know that you wanted to go to New York? Was that always the goal once you were done with college? Yeah, the funny thing is I didn't want to go to college. I wanted to move to New York and be a big star. I mean, I I grew up watching Shirley Temple movies and I was like so obsessed with Shirley Temple movies. Right. Favorite thing ever. And I was like, I'm going to go to Broadway and be a big star. But I was a year young for my grade. So I graduated high school and I was 17. I went to college when I was 17. Right. And so my, I was like, I'm going to move. And my parents were like, well, you're not 18 yet. You, you have to go to college. So I, I didn't really, in hindsight, I wish I had known that they were going to make me go to college. So that way I would have researched colleges, but because I had in my jacket mind was like, I'm just going to move to New York and be a star. I didn't really research any colleges. So it was kind of like a oh, audition now for like these four schools, you know, like I was like, whatever. Um, so that I would spend more time on, but I didn't. And I chose UConn uh, because it was basically a free ride. And my parents were like, you can go to Boston Conservatory and graduate with $800,000 worth of debt. Or you, can, or you can go to UConn, graduate with basically no debt. Um, it's either, it's your decision. They were like, very good. They're like, it's your decision. You do whatever you want. But just remember, you're not graduating and you're not a doctor or a lawyer with like a guaranteed basically job. You're going to yeah. be graduating as an actor. Like, who knows? We think you'll make it, but I don't know. Right. You know? And so that's why I decided to go to UConn and it was great. Um, it was harder in the fact that like when I graduated, I didn't have a showcase. So, you know, like when Mm. I moved to the city, I didn't have an agent or um, a manager. So like I was, you know, showing up to open calls and life was a little bit harder. It's surprising that a, a university of that caliber and that proximity to New York wouldn't have that. That's yeah, weird. now they do. I think it was like, I think honestly, because I went there in the dark ages, I think like a year or two after I graduated, they started having a showcase. So, and like, so what was your next step then when you, when you got here, you were like, all right, it's up to me. Yeah, it was really funny. So when I, so the good, really cool thing is they have um, an EMC program. So all of the their uh, theater is an equity theater. So every show that I was, we were in as a, a theater major was equity. So you got equity points. So by the time I graduated, Whoa. I had enough points to be equity, which was lovely. Um, wow. 
So I had never I, heard of I, that. Yeah, it was really, that was like the cool thing about it. Um, but I decided not to go equity. I, I decided to, you know, keep my points, but like stay non-equity. Cause I was like, you know, I, I haven't done anything. So like, let me just yeah. like start. Um, but I moved to the city and like we talked about being so close yet so far away. I'd only been there like two times in my life, but I had like from a very small town in Connecticut, like very rural. I live in the middle of nowhere. Um, and I hated it. I hated the city so much. It was very overwhelming for me. I would come home every weekend. Like I would take the Metro North back home and like my dad would pick me up in New Haven. Like every week I just, and I, I went to one audition. Um, and that's another thing I was, because I went to school for acting and not musical theater, it's a very different energy, right? So like all of a sudden I went to my first big open call, non-ec open call at Chelsea studios. And I'm in a room with like, you know, 200 musical theater girls and all wearing the same dress in their books. And you know, like, and I, this is a- really intense. Oh my God. I'm starting to sweat already. <laughs> you, you, know, you know, exactly. And I was like, and I did, I had a panic attack and I left, I did an audition. I was like freaked out and I went back home. I went back to my apartment and my best friend, Rachel, who Tommy was. Rachel, yeah. We we got put together. She was my freshman year in college roommate. We lived together all four years in college. She's not an actor. Um, And we moved to New York together. And I remember coming home and I was like, never going to one of those again. And I didn't, I didn't audition for like two years. I just like bartended and like lived my best life in New York and still hated New York and would go home on the weekends and stuff. And it wasn't until my best friend Rachel came home one night with a backstage cutie patootie. She doesn't even know what a backstage is and was like, you didn't come here to be an, you know, a waitress. You came here to be an actor. There's an audition for this Tokyo Disney in Japan. You have to go to this or you can't come out with all of us tonight. You know, you can't come hang out with all of our friends. You know, I uh, love that. So cute. She came in with Backstage Magazine and was like, <laughs> I love that. So cute. And so I was like, fine. And I went and I had You're like, well, I really want to go out tonight. Fuck, I okay. was. I was like you're going to tell me I can't go out and have beers tonight. I don't think so. I'll go audition (laughs) so that I, you know, go have a beer. Um, yeah. And then I, that was my first job was Tokyo Disney. She likes to go out so much that she'll book a huge job. Just I'm an actor because I wanted beers one night. And I got it. I got the beer. And you booked it and you went there for a couple of years. No. I went there for a year and then one I, year. And then I, I met a boy um and an Australian guy and in classic me style, uh hated New York, called my best friend Rachel, who's the coolest person ever, and I said, Hey, should we go move to Australia? And she was like, Yeah, I think we should. And I was like, Judd. So then we moved to Australia for like a year. And we got kicked out. Um and then of Australia? Yeah. Because you, because as Americans, they're like, ma'am, you have to leave. We were, we changed our visa so many times. Like we went on like a three month work visa, then a three month visitor visa, then on a three month travel visa. And then we tried to change it again. They were like, no, you actually have to leave. And I was, we were like, okay. So we (laughs) finally had to leave. Wow. Um, And then I, we went back to New York and I still hated New York and I went and did a cruise ship. And that's halfway through my cruise ship where I was like step touching to like old people with their mouths open, like sleeping. God bless you. Oh, I was like, okay, I think I'm going to take my life seriously and like actually move to New York and try this thing. 
So I, I this is actually really the salad funny. bar is great, but I, I gotta go. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I can't. This is actually a funny story. It's horrible, but I I quit the contract. And if you quit a cruise ship, you have to pay out your contract. You have to swim back. No, you have to swim oh. all the way back, and you have to pay. <laughs> like if I had a nine month contract and it only lasted not even four months, I would have had to pay wow. that other five months of like you know at that time this is like what fifteen years ago. I think I was making like 1500 a week. Like it was good money. Right. You know, and for that, and, um, I was, but, so I found a loophole around it and said that I was feeling that I was like suicidal. And the fact that I was like thinking about jumping (laughs) because I needed to see land. And because of that, that clause, I didn't have to pay. And they were like, and they're trusting an actor. What kind of idiots? This is all coming from an actor. It sounds like like she's um, serious. (laughs) But the funny thing is that the lady was like, Jackie, you will never work on this cruise ship again. Like you'll never work for this cruise. You're like, that's the point. Love it. And I was like, yep, I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Oh my. Yeah. I like how they, they gave you an ultimatum, even though they kind of had some sort of sufficient evidence that you had some mental health situations <laughs> oh, yeah. going on. They're like, are you sure? Cause you're not coming back. Yeah. Yeah. It's not hilarious. <laughs> Good Lord. Any, well, thank God. So you got out, you swam back. I swam back and that's, and then I, what happened? Then I was like, okay, it's time for me to take myself seriously. Um, and I auditioned for a show and the casting director, um, I auditioned for this Smoky Joe's Cafe at this equity theater. And the casting director called me and was like, you're getting a callback. Also, you're stupid talented. You should have an agent. I'm going to help you. And I was like, okay, The great. casting director said that. Yeah. It was completely you're, So at the time, you're you're not repped and you had a killer audition. They were going to bring you in for more. And the casting director said, we need to get you repped. Yeah. And, and so Jackie, wait, where did you, where did this audition? Uh, I don't think I'm like actors equity or something like that. Yeah. So you went, you went and, and you had to look it up and you had to find this thing and you went to this thing and you booked it. Yes and no. So another me being the a-hole that I am, I had a really good friend, Miriam, who I met at Tokyo Disney, who was in the show with me and she was really good and she would find all the auditions and she would go. Cause like when you were non-act, you had to like show up at like six in the morning, five in the morning, right. and sign up on the unofficial yep. list and hopefully, well, I wouldn't get up and do all that. That's way too early. And I'll just never audition. So she would go. I've been out the night before. Said, I'm not doing that. I, 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 didn't <laughs> right. show up. I didn't get home till four in the morning. Like, and I lived on 44th and ninth. She lived all the way deep in Queens and she would come in sign up both of our names and then she would like call me when like we were like a half hour away from getting called so that i could wake up and like throw on a dress and like run down to the audition if you don't live in new york by the way this is so janky is like around the corner around the corner and this poor girl came in from queens i mean like i couldn't be a bigger jerk unbelievable couldn't be a bigger jerk so, so then I booked this audition and I, booked and I booked the show and that got, and that agent go, and that, and I got, and I, it was an equity show. So I took my equity card but because before that I had auditioned also for a bunch of non-act tours. Like I booked the non-act tour of Hairspray and the non-act tour of like Urban Cowboy and, and didn't take any of them because they were like paid $300 a week. And I was making so much money waitressing. I was like, why would I do that? 
that? That's like stupid and dumb. I make that in a night, you know? Like, right. No. So my friends were like, it's time for you to go equity. You turn down like leading roles on non-equity tours. Like you're not going to take that. There's no point in being non-equity. Like you need to get your equity card. So I took my equity card with that show and also booked an agent um, through that. And then through that agent, I booked my first Broadway show. And that is how it started. Yeah. Amazing. That's incredible. I mean, it, it happened with Rachel coming up to you for Tokyo and then Miriam from Tokyo yeah. stood in line and then you get Smokey and then you get your card and then you get your Broadway show. And it's all about who do you know and all about the people in your circle, right? I mean, it's yeah. it's fantastic that a whole livelihood is built from just these little moments years ago. Yeah. And then what about you, Tommy? If I didn't meet you, I... um. Do you not remember when I was doing Wicked this last time on Broadway, I booked this movie and I was double dutying it. I was shooting the movie during the day at like five in the morning and doing the show. Oh, it was booked brutal. and blessed. I w- yes. <laughs> this is always what happens to me though. Booked I'll and two, blessed. I'll book two Broadway shows in one week and have to choose. And then like, and then, but then, then nothing will happen. And you're like, what is <laughs> Face this out. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's always. No, nope, all at once, baby. Feast or famine. Sorry. Yeah, it's always <laughs> like that. But, like, you helped me, remember? Like, learn my lines. I do remember that. I do remember that. You I'm so happy. I that. would have not known my lines. Like, he was, like, on the phone with me, like, reading lines with me because I was, like, so tired and delirious. And he's like, got this. Let's go. I don't know how you did it, sister. Oh, my Lord. It was so great. And um, so, when yeah, you started. that's what you got to do sometimes. Double do. So when you started on Wicked, you started on the tour, correct? Yeah. So like um, my first Broadway show was Hair in the Park. And it was funny because like I knew, because you know, that's the other thing. It's like people are like, oh, sorry, we can't give you a Broadway show because you've never been on Broadway. But like, you're like, how do I get a Broadway show if you never give me a Broadway show? It's like working at a restaurant in New York. Hi, I'd like to work at a restaurant. Well, you don't have New York restaurant experience. Okay. So what? uh, What? Yeah. Uh, so maybe you give it to me so I can have that. Yeah, it doesn't make any flipping sense. Oh, it's right. You can say insane. fucking. I'm trying to be better. I'm just kidding. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. It doesn't work very well. But um, yeah, I just remember getting that and being like, it was in the park, Shakespeare in the park. It wasn't probably, but and I was like, and I remember my parents are was I called them, I said, This this is a career changing show. I just know mm. that. I just know. And it ended up going to Broadway. And it was funny, while I was in hair in the park, all the girls in my dressing room were auditioning for this new show called Rock of Ages. And um, and I was like, Love. I want to audition it's for this. So, so I like, called, so good. So I called my agents and I'm oh. like, hey, I want to get an audition for Rock of Ages. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I didn't have the greatest agents at the time. So um, it was like weeks and weeks went by. Everybody basically in my dressing room had gone in. And finally, I got an audition and they had cast the entire show except for one offstage swing dancer role. And I, yes, I started as a dancer, but I hadn't danced since I was 17. And at this point I was 20, like 10 years later, 27, but I went in and I ended up booking that as well. So it was great. So I was doing double duty, like doing hair at night and rehearsing rock of ages during the day and then hair in the park closed and then rock of ages opened off Broadway. Um, and then both of those shows went to Broadway the same season. So I got like my two Broadway sick and i was like what is this like where i was waitressing being like can i get you fries with that you know what i mean like where 
where the- there's probably a little poetry where those those waitressing those years were shutting down that bar at four o'clock morning and oh. you had some early audition the next day that's the stuff makes you ready for the week of the double booking right yeah. and i mean yeah it is the feast but that's what it is i think yeah. you know your famine was so elemental i'm sure to get to that point right yeah. It's It's a great example of when it's your time, it's your time. And when it is, you got to be ready. Yes, totally. Well, and not only that, but you got to be ready and you got to keep going. So things kind of changed for you. Momentum started to kind of heat up, uh, push push harder for you. And um, did you see droughts or did you enjoy a kind of continuous acceleration? Um, It... uh... It's a little bit of both. Like I had a lot of let down with hair because I, I originally had gone in for um, the black boys trio, which is the part I ended up getting. And, but I was up for the lead girl, Sheila, and they had called me in 10 times, offered it to me, then took it away. Um, so that was really hard. And then the same thing happened to me. Our whole cast got brought our original Broadway cast got transferred to London um, and they brought in a whole new cast. And so they swung the lead girl out and put me on all the casting directors came and, uh, and the director and Oscar from the public, all, everybody came and then to watch me in the show and then literally asked me to come in and audition the next day after literally, as I'm standing on Broadway in my costume playing the role, you know, it was like a lot of like mind games and then ended up not getting it. Cause they were like, Oh, we have to go the American idol route for cat, like for ticket sales, but we love you. And if it wasn't for ticket sales that you'd be our Sheila, you know? And I was like, Oh, so I was feeling really bad about myself. And then I actually ended up booking catch me if you can, which was another Broadway show like that week, which when that happened, which was so great. Cause I was like, Oh good. It's not a fluke. Like this isn't my only Broadway show. I just booked another Broadway show. That's great. And then I booked Wicked, so I couldn't do Catch Me If You Can because I, I booked went on tour with that, which was great. And and then I had like it was good. Like I, I I went like from Wicked on tour. I knew I was going to Broadway. I had three months off, went to Broadway. Then um, when I finished Wicked on Broadway, they the same producer did If Then, and he was like, "I want you for this." I went and did If Then, and then after If Then, people because um, I stood by for Adina at the height of her career. Uh, like, like when she was like really, really huge, um, we're like, oh my God. And then took over the show from her. We're like, this is going to be so huge for you. I had like CA, CAA came and saw like, there was like, it was like really big. And then like nothing happened and I could not get arrested. Like I couldn't even <laughs> let alone like a job. Like it was like, I felt like I was black and I had gotten really good reviews and people really loved me in the show. And like, so I was like, oh, things are like, this is just like, I'm, this is going to be so, so great. And then literally like flatlined. Um, so it has, it has its way about that. I've experienced that too, where you, you have this premiere and then somebody talks to you after, and then you, then you book something and you're like, okay, this is the thing. And then things are happening. Done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you're like, what? it's, we, it's weird. So what? what did you, what did you do in that, in that time? What did you do in your like, mentally and emotionally, how did you get through it to, to endure that, to live in it and to know this is temporary? Um, it's always easier right on the other end where you're like, Oh, I see how it was temporary, but it was, it felt very bad. (laughs) It was, it was very low. Um, I mean, didn't I, I think I met you in that time, right? Like I hadn't, was I in Wicked yet back in Wicked? No, no, No. you went back. Maybe it was a year after you and I had, 
met maybe, but yeah, so there was a drought and everybody has those. It's just how long is yours and how many do you have? Who knows? Like everybody's different. Yeah. I remember like it was, I was really depressed and, um, I'm confused because I was, I felt very like betrayed. I was like, why did all these tell me, why did everybody set me up for failure? Like, you know what I mean? Like I were the one who's like, yeah, this is, this is great. Everything's happening to me now. I'm going to be like, you know, I, I I'm always the one who's like, Oh God, I'll never work again. You know, like normally, but every, right. like, I felt like I was doubly let down. Cause it felt like everybody was like, no, Jackie, this is it. Like you're going to hit, you're hitting and you're going to hit and blah, 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 blah. So it felt even more. So as like, like a, a betrayal you know, almost, you know, yeah. why would you, you want to hurt my feelings? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so it was like really rough. And I remember, um, I was with my friend Teal. We had gone and seen Sunday in the park with George and we both were having the same thing where we're like, I'm going to say it like, fuck, I, I would, we could not get arrested. Like truly could not get an audition. It felt, we both were like, are we on a blacklist of like, don't bring these girls in because like, I hadn't had an audition in months, let alone a job, like just, just an audition, right? <laughs> like an idea of a shot. And we both went, God, I wouldn't even go back to Wicked at this point, right? Um as a joke because wicked ring, is, ring, ring. Wicked is so, yeah. And wicked is so flipping hard that no girl really wants to go back to wicked. It's so flipping hard and you have no life. And, and then literally the next week, I remember I was in the self-help section of a bookstore. <laughs> like, like, it, like couldn't be any more poetic. And my, Barnes and Noble union square. I was like, yeah, I know. I get it. <laughs> I've been there too. <laughs> yeah, That's like, where we all go when we're confused. Yeah. yeah. Third floor in the back. <laughs> Third floor yeah. in the back. There it is. Oh, please. By the bathroom. Yeah. yeah. Great bathroom. Great. <laughs> oh. Oh. No, the girls' bathroom's not bad. No, it is actually a life. What am I talking about? But um, so what was that like when you, you know, going from hair to rock of ages to getting this audition for the lead in one of the biggest, most successful musicals of all time, and then getting that. Well, this is actually the, the why, like, it's, God, I wish I was this girl that I was back then. So I want it. And so, um, because my, I had just moved in with my boyfriend at the time who ended up, who I subsequently ended up marrying, that we're no longer together anymore, but we just moved in together and I was like, I don't want to leave him. I'm in love, you know? So I um, had turned down the hair London, which I'm like, why would I have turned down the West End doing hair in the West End and going to Paris on the weekends? You know what I mean? But I turned that down. I didn't want to leave the city. So my agents called and the first time they called, they're like, okay, we have an audition for you for the national tour of Wicked for the understudy of Alphaba. And I was like, yeah, no, thank you. Um, and turn that down. They're like, okay. And then literally the next week they're like, okay, we now, we have an audition for you for the standby for Alphaba on the tour. And I was like, no, thank you. Um, I don't, I, I was like, I don't want to go out of town. So no, thank you. And I also, again, had catch me if you can. So I was like, I already have a job. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, wasn't like a lead or anything, but like, I was like, yeah, I, I have another Broadway show. Yes. I'm going to go out of town for two weeks with, I mean, two months for it, but then it's going to come back to Broadway and I'll sit down. So then they call me like another week later and like, okay, we have an audition for you for the role of Alphaba on the tour. And again, and before I could say no, thank you. My agent was like, and before you say no, you are auditioning. You are the ass <laughs> that we have. And I was like, and they were like, and that's it. End of story. And I was like, okay, fine. But because I didn't want it, I didn't care. 
Right. So, you know, I went in for the audition and I was doing Smokey Joe's at Paper Mill Playhouse at the time. So I was like getting home at like, you know, one in the morning and then auditions for Alphabet are 10 a.m. because they're mean. And you start with like defying gravity at 10 a.m. because they're a-holes. But um, so I went in like on a Tuesday and it went well. And then I had a callback the next day on Wednesday. And then I had another callback on Friday that, that week with just like a work session with the assistant director, associate director. And then Monday my was my final callback um, for the team, like, you know, for Joe Montello and Steven Schwartz and David Stone, like everybody. And I remember <laughs> I'm such a jerk. Um, there was only three of us and I was the last of the three. I remember sitting there with my us weekly, like just didn't care. Like, cause I was like, I'm not going to go on this backstage looking for other roles. No, I wish backstage. No. <laughs> I'm like reading about like Blake Lively. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, I love that outfit. You know what I mean? Like, he's so stupid. Well, these other two girls are like nervous and like so like you know like oh good, this is a huge role. And so like I went in. I was the last person to go in, and um, I remember uh, the reader. Um, there was a girl that read. She left with me because you know by the time I finished, and she got into the elevator, and she's like, really good job. And I was like, oh thanks, that's great, thanks. You're like, and, no, uh, I know that. I'm, I'm like, like <laughs> I mean, I know, right? Like, You're welcome. No, I mean, <laughs> wasn't that fun for you? Yeah, right. I, <laughs> I, I wish. No, I was like, oh, that's so nice. And <laughs> this is so horrible. Um, and I found out it was like one of the best things ever. Only thing that would be better if they had told me in the room. That's my like New York dream is like, oh, yeah. I'm being like, so you want the role? You mean me right. like, yes, that's never happened to me. But Telsey's office at that point, I think it was on like 44th or something. I don't remember, but I lived on 92nd um, in West End. And so, you know, it's like 15 minutes from like door to door from my, and I remember I was walking up the subway stairs that like 15 minutes after my audition and my agents were calling and I was like, no way. And I picked up the phone and they were like, Hey, Alphaba. And I was no. like, what? No way. And then, <laughs> and immediately it was like, I'll go out for, they were like, so telling me the whole thing. And they're like, okay, so for like a year, they want you for a year. And I was like, oh no, I won't do a year. No, no, I'll do six months tops. And they were like, they laughed at me. And they were like, that's funny. No, that's no. I was like, no, six months tops. And they were like, Jackie, where do you get off being so. Like I would never. Now what gives I'm, you uh... the right. <laughs> but when I think about what an a-hole it was, it is comical to me. Because I... It's not really an a-hole. It's this lack of desperation that you so... It's it's so natural inside of you. I don't anymore. I wish I did. I want to go back and find that girl and eat her and put her back inside me because now... <laughs> I'm, can I... Can I I'm so so you're, just, you're just... You're just there right now where most people are at, at 23. I guess. I don't, I don't know. It's so interesting. You helped me so much. I mean, you talked me down from all those cliffs of like, oh, I'm never going to work again. And this is awful. And I'm never, and you're like, Tommy, stop. You're going to be, you're going to work a lot. This is just a little test to see if you're, you know, going to stick around. You got to endure. You got to put in your time, whatever. But it's always easy for the asshole like me who was working at the time to say that now I need somebody like you who's working when I'm not working to talk me off the ledge. Do you know what I'm saying? Like that's the well, I'm there for you. It's always the person that's worried. It's like, it's fine. You're going to be okay. Right. Because yeah, you're, of course you're fine. You've been working, but now yeah. on the, you're warm. You've got food in your stomach. Yeah. I'm starving. But now I'm like, 
such a hot shit show. I'll never, I don't know how I've ever worked. I'm horrible. I'm the worst thing that's ever happened. Like, you know, we, I think as actors are the, we are the worst to ourselves because nothing's yeah. ever good enough. We're flipping crazy. We can go from like, you know, I'm the best thing that's ever happened to I suck in literally a millisecond. Well, what's hard too is it, a lot of times it feels like you're on your own little island and there's only yourself to talk to. So, you know, you don't have a lot of times people also in the industry who maybe understand all the ins and outs like we do. So, you know, you just talk to yourself and you make yourself crazy, even though things are fine. But, you know, when you get to thinking too much and you just go a little cuckoo because you're alone with your thoughts. Yeah. That's why it's, it's important to just be so, just be busy, just be busy, volunteer here, take a job there, start a side business, do something to get out of yourself where you're not so involved in self and unable to be in self-loathing, unable to be, um, self in self-consciousness. Uh, you don't have time to think about those things. Cause I think it, it it happens to anyone, but I think it, it really does happen to, to actors, to artists, to people who are in maybe a spotlight or on the stage that people are looking to. Um, we get our identity from this, you know, and when it's taken away, we don't know what to do. We don't know where to look or what to what to be anymore. But I think the goal of it is to find your identity independent of that, independent of acting, of of this thing. And then it's it's a lot easier because you are constantly fulfilled. You're constantly filled up and you're at peace with yourself whether I book or not, I'm not going to weigh something so important as my own self peace and um, my happiness on something so trivial and unreliable as an acting job. Yeah. So you stayed there. Wasn't six months. Let's get that out of the way. <laughs> no. And the funny thing is I remember my agent being like, I was like, fine, nine months, nine months tops. And they were like, okay, just know you'll end up staying for a year. Wicked always gets what they want. And I was like, okay. I'll so show went, them. Yeah. I went out for nine months and then literally yeah. like a month before my contract was done, they're like, so you're going to stay for three more months. And I was like, no, I'm not. They're like, no, you're going to stay for three more months. And I was like, okay. <laughs> like you just do what you're told. And then I like found out I was going to Broadway, which is great. So it was like, oh, okay. Um, but yeah, they always, and my agent was like, remember when I said that you get, you, they always get what they want. And I was like, yes. And they were like, take it. Yep. Yeah. And that set you up for a nice long stint as, um, as Elphaba in one of the greatest Broadway shows that has come through New York. Yeah. Wicked. How was that? I mean, your first night, what was that like? Uh, oh, I don't remember. <laughs> I, well, <laughs> You're black. She was black. I mean, like, I don't think any girl does. Like, you're just like that. Yeah. Like, it's like Alphaba's first line is like, did that really just happen? Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> like, you know it, it's crazy. And I remember on Broadway, though, uh, my opening night on Broadway was so, it was horrible. In fact, to the point where um, after Define Gravity and I was like, you know, getting like lowered down from the, the lift and everything, mm -hmm. I, was, you know, I was like, I don't think I'm going to be able to sing the rest of the show. Like my voice is gone, like in my mind, because I just was like, so crazy. I was so crazy the first time I played it on Broadway. The second time it was night and day. Like the first time I played it on Broadway, that show ran me 
I absolutely was just like holding on for dear life, hoping to get through. And then the second time I was in the driver's seat and it was a blast. And I had was the, the was the second time when when you and I had had met. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So you said the second time. I remember you talking about how different it was, and you just felt more like grounded. You felt more stable, and that you could control, not like in a bad way, control, but in an actually good, good way, where you can kind of be at the helm of everything and feel like you've got things stationed, and you're not f- flying off into nothingness. You know, flying off the handle. Right. <laughs> I love what you I love what you just said though that you were in the driver's seat right and you didn't let fear consume you and you you just rode the wave. Yeah, and that came with for me um because in, in between the two runs of Wicked is when I stood by for Adina in the show called If Then on Broadway and is when Frozen came out and when she sang at the Oscars and they called her Adele Dazeem and everybody knew her. <laughs> And every day at the stage door, like TMZ and like every flipping like big thing. And like, they all thought I was her because she'd be going in the back. No, I'm not. You know, like it was just like insane. And people were coming to that show to see her, um, not to see the show. They were coming to see Adina Menzel. So when I had to go on, it was a visceral hatred that I would get from the audience. Like, you know, because mm-hmm. and not because I was me, it would be any girl that wasn't Adina at that time. Right. You know, there's just like the height of her. So it was the best, worst thing that could have happened to me. It was scary as shit. And I hated it and ha- hated having to like literally work to get people to like get on my side. But I work, it, I worked my butt off and I had to believe in myself, which I had never really done before. Like, I just kind of was like flew by the seat of my pants and like hoped I'd be good enough for things. And this time I was like, I, I only could believe in myself. And if I didn't, I couldn't get all these thousands of thousand people to like get on my side and like go on this journey. Right. And I had to believe that I was a good enough storyteller to, to be worth this three hours for them to have sat in the audience. And that was a huge turning point for me. And I think that's why the next time I went to do Wicked on Broadway, I could be in the driver's seat because I had the confidence in myself, not in a cocky way, but it was like, I believed in myself that I had the wherewithal to tell this story, you know, and knew that I could do it. Um, and that was a big turning point for me, I think. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. I think a lot of times where you get that moment of, did that just really happen? It's so bittersweet and it's kind of poetic in the way the universe gives you this thing that you've always wanted yet. There's it's tinged with a little bit of darkness because of something, you know, and, and it's never what you thought it was going to be, but it, it just ambiguously and slowly creeps into the experience and you realize, Oh, it it is happening. It's just now how I, how I envisioned it. Um, But wouldn't you say like you've, you've, what you're saying about the second time that you got into the show, you were more grounded and and, and you had these like um, character enhancements inside compared to some before. Would you say like acting really does help with the human experience to be able to bank on everything good inside of you can be brought out in this business? Yes. I'm sure the conversely as well, the bad too, but yeah. Acting has a way of of giving so much to your growth and character and your and your you know personal um, uh, advancements. Oh, have, did you kind of ex- have you experienced that compared to when you were who you were years and years ago? Oh God, yeah. I mean, um, just in the fact of like, I think that 
it was just such a humbling experience in the fact that people were really angry with me and the things that people would say to me at the stage door were not very nice. And, you know, and like, before I would go on, like there was times where there was like, I always tell the story about there's these two women from London that had flown in to see Adina in the show. And it was a Wednesday and I had been on for the matinee and I didn't know if I was going to be on for the night yet because I always would find out really, really late. And she was sick and like, they always still wanted her going because she was above title. And like, you know, obviously. And I remember I still didn't know if I was going on. And it was like, 10 minutes before a half hour and I was walking into the stage door and there's two ladies and they're like, you, yeah, you, you're Jackie, right? Yeah. You on for the matinee. And I was like, yeah. And they're like, you're not on for tonight. Are you? You're not on. And I was like, oh, I'm not sure. I don't know yet. And they're like, Oh God, I'm fucking be so angry if you're on your room. My whole trip. I didn't come see you. I'm sure you're fine. I didn't oh. see you. Like just so mad. And I was like, I don't know. And I, I don't, it's, it's, I, I'm, I'm just a person. I'll talk to Adina and I'll see what I can do. Yeah. Like, I don't like, (laughs) like you think it's my fault. Like you think I want to ruin your trip and ruin your life. No, I, I trust me. I don't, I hate this. (laughs) Like it makes me feel horrible. That's crazy. Um, You know, you never think about like things like that where New York just sort of being one of the centers of the world that when you have like, a Hugh Jackman or somebody who people come from all over the world to see him, but it's not like a movie where he's going to be in every show, you know, every screening, it's going to be Hugh Jackman, you know, it's real life and it's in real time. And sometimes they don't go on. And someone from Kansas who, you know, saved up for months and got here and has a hotel and then it's not Hugh Jackman, but you're the guy who's also like, sorry. Like, I'm an you know, like you're an actor too. And it's just like, somebody has to do the role. And if it's not Hugh, now you're like the biggest asshole in the world. And you're like, uh, uh, uh. yeah, it oh feels horrible. And also like PS be just as good as that other actor that has had six weeks of rehearsal, um, creating this character where you have been sitting in your dressing room, writing down the blocking and not getting to be on stage and having to rehearse yourself right. and not having director and not having a music you know what I mean like but so you have every odd against you but you better succeed and be just as good if not better and it's like oh. you know it's just like a, such a thing it's not you're not set up to win you know you yeah know, yeah interesting that's that's so rough it's like a it's like in your nightmare where you wake up and you're in front of all the people and you're that's how I imagine your first night being called in, you know, as an understudy is like, I just downloaded this information like yesterday. And here you are. First. Yeah. The first time I went on, on I, the big stage. The first time I went on, I went on mid show. So I was a stand show, which is your contract. So you technically have to have a put in and we were in previews at the time. So we hadn't had our put-ins yet because the show was still changing because the show can still change your rehearsals during the day until the show opens and then it's set and then they can't change it. And then you start having understudy rehearsals. So we weren't at that point yet. The show was still evolving and changing and it was Tony voting. So they didn't think Adina would be out because there was Tony voting and she was nominated. So um, they came up to me mid show uh, before the show. It was another matinee. I mean, another Wednesday where she had done the matinee. I hadn't listened um, and cause I like turned off my monitor and was like going over my lines myself. And then right before the show that night, the stage manager came in and was like, just let you know, Adina's going to be doing some alternate notes. Cause she's not feeling very well. And she of course saw the like alarm in my eyes. And she was like, you're not going on. Just, I don't want you to think you're going on. She's got to do the show. There's Tony voters. Like you're not going on. We just don't want you to freak out when you heard alternate notes. 
And I was like, oh, okay, great. Sure. So like the show starts and, and she starts doing these alternate notes. And I was like, I don't know. Like she was really sick, like really God love her. Like so sick. Poor, I don't know how she even got through the first half of the show. And I kept going down and being like, you sure I shouldn't be getting into like costumes. I'm listening. And uh... <laughs> I was like, it's like, it's rough. Like the poor thing is so sick, you know, and they're like, you're not going on. 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 And I was like, okay, 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 okay. Literally the end of act one, it was like, the last night was like, surprise, blackout, Jackie to wigs, Jackie to wigs. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, are you kidding? What? Yeah. And I was like, okay. And I like sat down. And at that point, Adina and I were the only people that wore wigs in the show. Everyone else had their natural hair and they didn't even have mics for me. So like her mics, you know, you wear your mics in your head and like, so like they're taking off her wig to take off her mics, to put the mics on me. And she's like, Hey babe, do you need anything? And I'm like, in my mind going, you know, just a little heads up foot on stage before in my life in the show. And now I'm about to take over this role that is massive. And I've never even had a rehearsal and I have zero preparation. You know, I was like, this is crazy, but it happens. It, you know, it's like your nightmare. And then right. you don't that is quite literally that the actor's nightmare. Yeah. Yes. It was, Where it's the like, but, but we're doing the show right now, but I don't know the lines. <laughs> okay. This is happening. Okay. And and now you have that experience where you're like, if I can do that, I can do anything unrelated to acting. That's everyone's nightmare. Every single human, including my grandmother, who has never wanted to perform live. That's his nightmare. Yeah. Everybody's nightmare is to be called up to a Broadway show where you don't know what the hell you're doing. And it's the first time. And you did it, you know? And, and now you have that luxury of knowing, dude, I can do anything if I can do that. Yeah, but I also think, yes, but I also think like just in general as human beings, I think that, I mean, like the fear that I had leading up to it, like I had decided that like the second, the first time I took, went on stage, like everyone was going to boo me and throw tomatoes at me and like be just so angry. You know what I mean? Like, and I had so such like to the point, I can't believe I'm actually going to say this, but I was hoping there was going to be something wrong with me that I had to leave the show because I was that scared. Of yeah. Like I was like, oh my God, I hope I get sick so that I have to leave the show. I mean, like, that's crazy. And then it, I don't think, I think that's totally normal. I think that it is so, so terribly concerning when you get, when you're given that order. I mean, it's, it's nuts. I can't believe that. But then I went on stage. They like, you know, said my name, you know, like for the rest of the performance, the role of Elizabeth would play by Jackie Burns. And I was waiting for it to be booed. And like, everybody applauded. And it was like super lovely and wonderful. And I realized that like the fear that we make up in our head is so much worse than the actuality of any situation. Totally. Like, it's just so interesting what we as humans do to ourselves. You know, it's like, why do we put ourselves through this anguish? Like, and even in hindsight now, knowing that I, I help myself out. No, I still make up these crazy scenarios that we do as actors, especially, but even just as human beings, we like make everything out to be so much worse than it ever is. And I don't understand why we do that. It's the audience is like, Oh, Oh, thank God. Dino's a little rough. We came all the way from (laughs) Scotland. Like put anyone else on. (laughs) Well, Jackie, as 
As we wrap up, do you have any advice for budding musical theater actors or actors in general, just sort of any pearls of wisdom or advice as, as somebody might be getting started in their career? I think that um, something that I wish I had known when I was younger is that we tell people how to treat us. And um, I think that was one of my biggest problems in my career uh, is that like, I would go in to an audition and I'd sing my song and I'd nail it because like when, when you're playing a character, it's, it's easier, right? You have that shield on so you can be that be, be inhabit that character and the fear kind of goes away. And then the second you're done with that and it's just left to being you, I would like, apologize for myself. It's something I still deal with today. Like, I'm like, okay, thank you so much. All right, great. You know, and like, I'd like scurry off and I would leave the people confused and be like, I thought she was great. I thought she was great, but she's telling me she sucked. So I guess she's not good. Right. You know, and we have to remember that this is a business. It's not always the most talented person that's going to get the job. It's the person that the, you, the, you can make the producer feel comfortable. Like, Oh, I can put millions of dollars on her tiny shoulders and she's not going to crack. Right. You know, or he's yeah. not going to crack. Like, is this somebody that I can collaborate with? Is this somebody that like I can throw the ball to and they're going to catch it and throw it back? You know, I don't want to be worried about holding your hand. And um, so I fake it till you make it in that respect. That's not just in like fake it till you make it knowing what you're doing. It's like fake it to make it that you have the confidence in yourself. So that way you tell people to treat you in the same respect if you believe in yourself, then they're going to believe in you. If you don't believe in you, then they're not going to believe in you. So I wish I had known that because I used to just go on, well, it's talent, you know, and it's not, <laughs> no, that's not true, you know? So that's, I think the biggest thing that I would say. Wonderfully said, wonderfully said. Now, what is happening on your end in the near future? Where can we see you next? You have maybe a show coming up. I thought that I read April. There's some, there's an article out saying something about a, maybe virtual, maybe we just did a virtual show. Now. You sound like now my mother who knows stuff about me that I don't know. I can't tell you how many times in my career I was right. like, so you're doing this concert in May? And I'm like, I am. And she'll oh, know before God. me and I'll be like, I'm like, yep, yeah, right. I do. I do. <laughs> so prepared. Just to let so you know prepared. it's April 27th. Just, okay. just to let you know. No. Um, so much. No, I mean, supposedly the show that I was supposed to do a year ago is going to be opening in November. Um, and then as like every other actor is it's pilot season right now or somewhat of, so we're all busy doing self tapes, you know, and losing out to, um, movie stars for roles, which is always super fun. Um, <laughs> How many well, times Jack, have you guys been dealing with that? Like where you're like, you're up for something and then they're like, it's going with the name. And you're like, who? They're like, Kirsten Dunst. You're like, of course. Yeah. yeah. Why would yeah. it? Because why, why me? Right. Yeah. You know, you're like, that's who I'm competing against. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> and Jackie, where well, can people find you online? Oh, God. Okay. You're, and I always should know this. Um, you can. She has to check her Instagram first before because she doesn't know her handle. I don't, Jackie Burns NYC. I knew that. You know, Jackie still, <laughs> Jackie, Jackie still will text me asking her password for her like iTunes, and I'm like, God Almighty, here. Tommy, that's that's right. I do. Like, Your phone number. You're like, what's my pin? I'm like, Good Lord, oh. how does this woman get out of bed? <laughs> to quote Adam. <laughs> do you remember when you wanted to go to the Apple Store with me because I couldn't? Anyways, that's yeah. Of course. 
Of course. Jackie, thank you so, so much you, for being you, with us, you. for talking. You're, you're sharing your story. We're just so grateful to know you, to have you on, to learn from you. I'm sure tons and tons of people are going to um, get to um, experience and learn so much from, from what you shared as well. So thank you for being here with us. Yeah, thank you so much. Oh my God, that was fun. Oh, that was great. Uh, Such a great gal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that should... That could have easily turned into a, a, a two-parter. Um, guys, thank you so much for, have her back for again. tuning in. I, yeah, thank you so much for tuning in. That's our uh, our first interview on Before the Break. Uh, yeah, so give us a follow on Instagram at bookit underscore NYC and subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Tommy, where can everybody find you? Uh, Tommy Beyond on Instagram uh, or TommyBeardmore.com and Book It's website is BookItNYC.com. Nice. And I'm at Adam. At, Adam, how about you? Uh, at that Adam DiCarlo on Instagram and AdamDiCarlo.com. And uh, yeah, we will see you guys next week. And thank you so much. Thanks, everybody. Bye. You've been listening to Before the Break. The hosts are Tommy Beardmore and Adam DiCarlo. Cover art by Amanda June Boucher. Music by Benjamin Sterley. Before the Break is recorded live from Los Angeles and New York City.